tell you about um, a brush I had in 1972. My brush was with a celebrity. At that time, I was a, what was then called a stewardess, became a flight attendant later, um, and I wanted to uphold the stereotype of the time, so I had recently married a pilot. And we had, we had a mixed marriage. I flew for Delta, and he flew for Southern Airways, which was a small regional carrier. And we'd finally gotten enough time off together to go on a honeymoon to Hawaii. Now, great, one of the great perks of, of being an airline employee was the free and reduced rate travel privileges that came with that. And this was going to be the first time that we had double the power between the two of us. So with mine, we uh, we rode, we flew on um, Delta 747 to uh, from Atlanta to Los Angeles. And I knew a couple of the stewardesses who were working that flight. And when they learned that we were on our honeymoon, they made sure that our champagne glasses stayed full at all times. And then with Southern, they had a deal with United where we could make a, a coach reservation on the flight from Los Angeles to Honolulu. And then when we got to the gate, if there were first class seats available, we could upgrade. Well, the flight landed late, so unlike Delta. And we had to run to the United gate. And just let me say, it's not easy to run when you've been drinking champagne for four hours or more. But we made it. We made it just in time. Um, we were getting, almost getting ready to close the door. And as we had hoped, there were first-class seats available. So agent handed us our boarding passes, pushed us down the jetway onto the plane, and we were there. When I stepped onto the plane, it felt a little claustrophobic after being on the 747 because this was a, a long, skinny, single-aisle DC-8. But, you know, I wasn't complaining. We had our seats were in the very first row of first class on the right side. And as I looked around, it, there weren't very many other passengers on, in first class. There were a group of four or five people that were standing towards the back. We didn't pay much attention to them. And so I slid over to the window seat and buckled up, and we were on our way. Well, the service, in, the dinner service was just phenomenal. We had pre-dinner pre cocktails. And then they had hot and cold hors d'oeuvres, salad, bread, and that was all served with, with wine. And then we had um, prime rib that was carved right in front of us, and that was served with wine. And <laughs> then we had um, a luscious chocolate torte and a cheese board, and that was served with port. And finally, we had Kahlua and coffee. But it was decaf, it wasn't regular. Well, I felt, after all this, I felt like a slug, so, but I had to get up and use the bathroom. Couldn't, couldn't put it off any longer. So I climbed over my husband, Bill, and he was comatose, and I walked a few feet to the, to the lavatory. Okay, let's be honest, I staggered into the lavatory. But um, when I came back out, I thought, well, it feels really good to stand. So I kind of leaned against the bulkhead a little bit and did what I thought were subtle little stretches. I did calf raises and some shoulder rolls. Well, so much for inconspicuousness. I looked back, and 
One of the passengers toward the back of the cabin was watching me and smiling. This inner dialogue started. You must be drunker than you thought you were because you're seeing things. That can't be him. Now he has private jets. Why would he be on a United flight? Sure looks like him. Nah, no way. Well, I realized I was telegraphing my thoughts with my facial expressions <clears throat> because he laughed and waved at me, and I was, oh my God. And I was so embarrassed, so I kind of waved back and scrambled over Bill to get back in my seat. He was not happy that I, that I woke him up, and he said, what's going on? And I said, Elvis Presley is sitting four rows behind us. And he looked at me as he would a small child. He said, hey, I saw Santa Claus on the rooftop across the street. <laughs> and he said, just how many drinks have you had? And I said, I don't know, a great many. What's your point? <laughs> well, right at that moment, the man came and perched on the armrest right across the, on the seat right across the aisle from Bill. And he said, hey, how are you folks doing tonight? And I poked Bill and gave him an I told you so look. And Bill said, oh, we're, we're fine. How are you? Oh, just wishing we'd get there. I hope you folks don't mind me bothering you, but I'm not a real good flyer, and sometimes it helps me relax just to talk. Well, Bill could be sarcastic at times, and I, I just had this moment of panic that he'd say something smart like, yeah, you are bothering us. Please go back to your seat. <clears throat> But he didn't. Um, he, you know, no problem at all. So I leaned forward in my seat to kind of stretch over and, and look at him. And I opened my mouth, and nothing came out. So I just <laughs> gave him a gave him a dumb smile. But Bill was off and running. Um, he told Elvis that he was a Southern pilot, and he used to be based in Memphis. He used to ride Harleys with a, a group of guys that he thought probably Elvis knew someone. So for the next 10 minutes, there was this conversation that went something like this. Well, did you ever know so-and-so? He's the one that had the, the custom flame job on his bike. Oh, yeah, I remember that old boy. I used to ride with him some, too. Wasn't he friends with, with so-and-so? Yeah, he had a really bad wreck with his bike. Yeah, I remember hearing something about that. Well, I'll be, so what, who, did you ever know so-and-so? I'm just sitting there. I can't wrap my head around the fact that Elvis Presley, the Elvis Presley, one on my 45 records, the one that sang Love Me Tender from the big screen, is having a little chat with my husband as though they're old drinking buddies that haven't run into each other for a while. Well, Elvis stood up and he said, I sure have enjoyed talking to you, and I'm going to go back to my seat now and see if I can't get some sleep. Well, between the the champagne, the running, the food, the liquor, I conked out. And I'm not sure how long I was asleep, but when I woke up again, Bill wasn't sitting next to me. So I craned my neck, and I, I saw him standing at the back of the first-class cabin in the galley, and got up to see what he was doing. And as I passed Elvis's row, um, I saw that his eyes were closed, and I thought, oh, good for him. He, we must have really relaxed him, and so he's getting some sleep. Well, when I got to the galley, Bill was standing, trying to get the stewardess's attention to let her know what, if he wanted something. 
But one of Elvis's bodyguards was in the galley, and um, he was trying to get something going with the stewardess, and so he was. She was ignoring Bill, and um, he said, "Yeah, I have. A, I have a problem. When I ask a girl out, and she says yes, I don't know if she wants to go out because she likes me, or if she just wants to get close to him." Well, Bill was out of patience, so he said, "Here's an idea. Why don't you find another line of work so you can be sure?" Can I have a beer, please? Well, <clears throat> the bodyguard turning glared at him, of course. When we got back to our seats, I said, Bill, that was not a smart thing to say to someone who's half a foot taller than you and outweighs you by 100 pounds. And he said, ah, he wouldn't have done anything to me. He knows Elvis and me are tight. <laughs> Thanks, y'all.